Hello, and welcome to the e-learning and instructional design for beginners podcast, where new and aspiring instructional designers start, grow, and advance their careers. Would you like to become a successful instructional designer? Well, then let's get started. Dr. Hobson is a senior instructional designer and program manager at MIT X-Pro. How long have you been working in instructional design? So I first heard about instructional design back in like 2013, and I did everything I could try to become an instructional designer. What inspired you to pursue e-learning and instructional design? I have no clue what you all do, because I was an academic advisor. I had no idea what other people did. Instantly, I was hooked. Well, now I love that it's becoming more and more known, but... The people who don't are going to be left behind. No doubt. Yeah, I completely agree. I was about to say the same thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> really becoming a crutch to our learning... And I think people, yeah, everyone's just, who, is, who isn't using this, It's going, they're going to be left behind. But yeah. that is exciting. That's so cool what, you, what you've been experimenting. It's making me more interested. I, the response factor, it, gives, it brings on new, all these new ideas that you don't think about. It's, yeah. It is. It is. And I'm like, and you can ask it to do any type of activity, exercise, assignment. I'm like, I've dabbled with it as far as for making practice questions, exams, case studies, scenario-based learning, it just whatever you want to be able to give it to say like, Hey, can you write for me an X? Here are my parameters. Here's what I want to be able to do. I asked it to make for me yesterday an idea. I was going to be creating a 20 week leadership boot camp. I mentioned seven topics. And then I said, it has to have a final project at the end, create for me something. Sure enough, it gave me a 20 week outline. It gave me topics that were relevant to my topics. And then it even presented for me a final presentation at the end about demonstrating what they have learned to subject matter experts and doing this whole panel style interview. It, it's all right there. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, that's pretty darn close to what I would personally do. Like I would change some things for sure. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. It is AI, but yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy seeing what it can do. It's amazing. I really think it's going to advance everyone. I mean, just hearing this from you, it's just making me think that even more. We're all going to advance extremely. We have to um, throughout all this, but I want to continue talking about AI, but I, <laughs> I can interview you another time. Sure. And, you know sure. more that because this is such an interesting conversation. It's very timely. And I just did yeah. all these things like two days ago. So like, it's so fresh in my mind because I just did them all. I mean, it's all so new for everyone. So I think it's, it's really exciting. The one thing to add to that, because for some people, they're like, it's not giving me the results I'm looking for. And then I'm like, cool, well, tell me why. And then what I'm seeing is that basically they put in, one very generic sentence about something that they're looking for, it gives a response. And then they're like, eh, not good enough. And they close out their browser. It's like, right. no, it's a chat bot. Like you need a conversation. So if you say for me, write learning objectives, and then it gives you four learning objectives and you're looking at it and it's using the very basic terms like understand, know, and learn. And you're like, eh, but it's not good enough and you kill it. And it's like, well, no, you therefore then respond back to it and say that of like, hey, I noticed you use understand, know, and learn. Those are really generic. That's not that measurable. Can you give me more specific terms that I can actually use? Also, by the way, could you make sure to become more specific with the way that you're describing one action to one sentence? And that way you keep it clear, concise, transparent to the point, and then say that back to it. Then it will take that feedback 
and then say, you got it, and then give you four clearer learning objectives. So that's what you need to do. And I have found for some things, I will go back and forth like four or five times. And then eventually it gets me to where I want to actually go. You got to keep on feeding it because it's that's how it learns. You, you feed it, you give it feedback, and then it responds, and then it gets better. Basically, don't give up on it. <laughs> if you're trying and it's not working, you're just going to keep on working at it, and eventually you'll do what you want it to do. Yeah, it's like training. Almost yes. like, yeah, it, it seems like probably eventually it'll probably get easier. I don't Correct. know. Correct, exactly, exactly, yep. Yeah, thanks for for adding that as well. Mm -hmm. What professional associations do you belong to? If I had to name an association that I'm very familiar with because I've done a million things with them, it would be ATD. I've done countless interviews and presentations and workshops um, for various ATD chapters throughout the country. So it would be them would be my my recommendation. The last one I was a part of was the was, uh, AERA, the, uh, the American Education Research Association. That was the last one I was a part of, and that was... That was a while ago. But funny enough, I have my own community that I've built over the years. I have my own network, my own people. I have my own trusted sources as far as for with uh, journal articles and people who I go to for the latest of research. And I kind of made my own, I guess, if you will. So I'm not a part of it right now. Just kind of funny. That makes sense. Yeah. Everything's becoming so much smaller community based too. So maybe yeah. professional associations aren't going to be as common. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting because I don't want to say that they don't have any value or anything like that, because I certainly have seen their value and seen people do very well inside of them. So I don't want to discredit people from joining any of them. It's just, it hasn't been my thing. I, I like to start things up from scratch, which is why I created uh, the Instructional Design Institute community and the whole learning nerd movement I have around my content. And it's just, those are my people. And I'm like, okay, I, I got my people. I'm good. So it's just... I don't know. That was my path, but not to say, but they don't have value though. That's just different things, different people. <laughs> yeah. What are your predictions for the instructional design industry? Well, we just talked about a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's really all. If I had to go above and beyond that though, as far as for within instructional design, what I've been loving and seeing is that more people are starting to incorporate more learning strategies into their design, which makes me very happy because of the fact that for the longest time, and, it, and it's still prevalent, is that there are so many people who, when they come into instructional design, the first thing that they think about are the tools and the tech and the software. And it's just like, ah, like that's not the focus. Like if you have adult learners, we should be caring about making a meaningful and relevant and engaging learning experience. And tech is one part. It's a, it's one part. It's a small part. It's not everything. So it's always unfortunate when I hear from somebody, but they're like, I want to become an instructional designer. And then the first thing they do is that like they buy a subscription to Storyline. And I'm like, wait, no, hold on. Like there's so many more things we need to talk about before you go and play with tools and tech and stuff. Like it's you, sure you can, like I'm, I work in learning platforms every day. Like technology is a part of things. Don't get me wrong. But when we talk more and can shift the conversation around andragogy, learning sciences, learning strategies. That's when I really care where I'm like, Ooh, like that's interesting. Like, yes. Tell me more about how you are using the latest and different types of methods to make adult learners truly care. And as far as you're being able 
to measure the effectiveness over time too, where if you are able to talk to these people one month out from the training, three months out, six months out, a year from now, you can observe their behavior. You can really learn more about them and hear about what really worked and what really didn't work and how you can improve that process. That is where I'm hoping more and more of our people in our field go towards. Is that more of that type of a research heavier side, if you will, not just winging it, and trying to be able to figure out what exactly works. So that would be my addition to all the stuff I just talked about with ChatGPT. <laughs> Thank you so much for adding that. That's very important. I got my bachelor's degree in psychology, and it's so interesting how a lot of the theories relate to instructional design and how important, I mean, I agree how important all of that is, but a lot of people don't realize yeah, no, 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 of course, because I'm, I'm sure with your degree too, if you're talking about behaviorism, if you're talking more as you dabble into the space, we're talking about with uh, connectivism, and it's like all the important parts of like, it's still interesting that people can go through an entire instructional design journey, but not know like how adults learn, which I was like, that's what we do. Like you, you got it. You have to design the learning experience. Like you need to know how to make this work for people and especially for adults. Like, yes, we, we still apply this through K through 12. Don't, don't get me wrong. But for a lot of what we do, it's for the adult learners. And it's like, you already know, but they have a thousand obstacles. They have a million commitments. And now you're asking them to go through a training or a course or a program or a workshop and expect them to be able to deliver these results. Like you got to really really like provide that effort and make sure what you're doing does indeed work. And that comes a lot of the times from having an idea, learning about a theory, going through experimentation and then failing and then making a new type of way and failing again and keep on learning from that process. And then eventually you have your entire final like, aha, like we, we have this, but I mean, I constantly, I'm making prototypes. I'm putting it out in front of people. I'm getting feedback. I'm trying to be able to iterate uh, upon everything and making sure that I'm doing the best I can and not just assuming that this will work for this target audience in this scenario, because not everything is going to work for everything. By all means, it's not never will be cookie cutter one size fits all with what we do pertaining to learning theories and whatnot. But it's at least a good start to know about some <laughs> to be able to use them for sure. Provided so much good information. I love it. So it's very valuable. So thank you. I appreciate it. I'm sure actually you listen to podcasts. So what podcasts do you listen to? <laughs> so it's interesting. So I do listen to a bunch of podcasts, but podcasts is my medium to kind of escape from reality, which is yeah. kind of funny because like I am a podcast person. So it's just like, so I usually, if I'm trying to be able to learn about something or hear more about what my colleagues are doing with an instructional design. It's like, I will purposefully go out of my way to go and to find their episode or to read their blog or their article or whatever. And that's kind of how I work within like instructional design podcast land. But for normal podcasts, I mean, I listen to podcasts talking about football, business, personal development. Like it's a weird mishmash variety of things. Um, I mean, this morning, I was listening to, and I can pull it up quickly. It was the, it was the Colin and Samir show. And they were interviewing Mark Rober, who was essentially the Bill Nye, the science guy of the next generation is, is who he is. And I, I love hearing about what entrepreneurs do, how they got to where they are today, especially bigger folks inside of the, the YouTube space or the podcast space or the whatever, because it's always so uh, mind boggling to me to hear about where they started from and where they go. I really like that type of a, of a journey of hearing about people like the before and after and seeing like where they currently are. So it's, it's a lot of those kind of things. It is 
rarely, which is extremely funny. It's rarely podcasts about instructional design because my world is already so much about instructional design. <laughs> it will just take up all of my brain space. So I need some downtime somewhere in there. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't listen to any instructional design podcasts either. And there really aren't that many. I mean, they're growing though. I like, if you search now for instructional, it's yeah, crazy. Okay. <laughs> there, there are so many now. And it's not to say too, that they're like bad or any, like there's, there's plenty of great ones. Like the, the block podcast by Heidi Kirby, uh, the L and D hot seat by uh, Russell Sweep uh, talking about Tom McDowell's ideas podcast. Like I was all great, all wonderful podcast, but I will listen to a few, but then other than that, like my, it, it makes me, and maybe this is a better way of explaining it. It makes me go do something. Like if I listen to a podcast about instructional design and I don't know about something, I will then therefore go and research about that topic for like 30 hours. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you do blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so I can't do that where if like, if I'm washing the dishes, walking the dog kind of thing, like that will crush me. <laughs> I need yeah. that downtime. It puts you back in work mode and it's supposed to yes. be your type. Right. Understand. You're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to work right now. I don't work right now. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else that you would like to add that we have not covered? Anything else that I want to add about that? Ah, sure. What I will say for those who are listening to this instructional design podcast, and you're trying to think about your own journey, because I was talking about this one student today is that we all have different paths as far as sort of becoming instructional designers. And there is no right path and there is no wrong path. There are some people like yourself who have an instructional design degree, people like me who do not have an instructional design degree. There are some people who fell into this world by accident because they became a trainer because their organization needed someone to lead trainings. And then now 10 years from now, they are the main instructional designer. And then there are other times where you're going to be someone who's in academia teachers, instructors, professors, and, you know, eventually, and you find your way over from learning about the classroom and then saying, hmm, can my skills transfer over into this other instructional design space? And yeah, of course they can. But whatever you decide to be able to do, the biggest thing is to not give up. As I was saying before, you are going to face stumbles. You're absolutely going to be challenged. You're going to be falling on your face constantly. And that's okay. That's a part of learning. We're all going to make mistakes, but you will be growing from mistakes because those are indeed learning experiences. And you're going to find your own way if you just keep on going and you don't give up. I love that. Thank you so much. You're no problem. Very inspiring. And I think that what everything you've said is really going to help finding their way in instructional design. Because a lot of people like do still think that you have to get a degree. And I I'm constantly having to tell people they don't. <laughs> but thank no, you. No, it's yeah, of course. Cause yeah, because people don't they see a story or two or a shining example. And then they're like, they just follow that, which is fine because some people can and do, but I have known other people who have been able to train themselves entirely for free from just resources they found online and they became IDs. Like it's not to say that you can't do something like maybe a certificate program is enough. Maybe just going through with a different type of professional development idea isn't like, and great. Like then you're good to go, but it, there is no clear right or wrong path for you. It's just more about trying to make sure that you are following your passions, but you're able to sell your ideas and your accomplishments and what you're able to do and what value you can bring to the organization and really making sure you can speak to those abilities. And that's what's going to get you the job at the end of the day. Of course, knowing a thing or two about instructional design, very <laughs> helpful, but making sure that you can actually sell that idea is super helpful at the end of the day. Definitely. Awesome. Thank you.
And speaking of gifts, would you mind sharing some information about your free gift with the audience? I really think they'd love it. If you want to head on over to drlukehopson.com, that is everything I can possibly give for you. Every blog, every YouTube, every podcast episode, basically literally all of my stuff on the internet is free. So you can go find that there. And if you enjoy any of these types of long ramblings, my podcast now is 70 episodes. YouTube's got a hundred videos. I don't know. I just keep making a whole bunch of content for some reason, but people keep enjoying it. So I'll just keep on making it. So literally everything I make is basically for free on the internet and you can find it all. So just Google it and you'll be good to go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing your story and your insights. And I greatly appreciate your contribution. Thank you for taking your time today and have a wonderful day. Appreciate it, Crystal. Thank you. Now that wraps up this week's e-learning and instructional design for beginners podcast episode. Now it's time for you to go out there and take action on what you learned about instructional design today. Remember, you don't have to earn another degree and get a formal education in, in order to become successful in the field of instructional design. That's why I started the e-learning and instructional design for beginners. I would love to have you as an e-learning and instructional design for beginners member. My program is a proven step-by-step process you can use for a successful career in instructional design and create online courses from scratch. I offer a free membership that gives you the tools and resources you need to successfully start a career in instructional design and e-learning. To learn more, go to eteachonline.com join.